RTC right after the international news. Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Wednesday, November 30, 2022. The governor of Western Bahar al-Ghazal state says freedom of expression and association should be granted to South Sudanese as they prepare for elections scheduled for 2024. <laughs> have a role to play in order to take this country forward. Elections are going to come and we should prepare the political environment for all the parties so that we have free and fair election. And the head of the National Communication Authority says the country needs to invest in good cyber security infrastructure to protect government data from cyber criminals. We have made an appeal yesterday to government officials to start using government email and get off gmail and yahoo for official matters we'll have these stories and more coming up on south sudan in focus The governor of Western Bahar al-Ghazal state says freedom of expression and association is very important if the country is going to conduct elections scheduled for 2024. Sarah Cleto Real is calling on the parties to the 2018 revitalized peace agreement to respect dissenting voices. For VOA News, Deng Deng reports from Juba. On the sidelines of the Governor's Forum at the Freedom Hall in Juba, Sarah Cleto Riel, the Governor of Western Bahar el-Ghazali State, said governors are key to protecting freedom of expression and association ahead of elections. We as the governors have a role to play in order to take this country forward. Elections are going to come and we should prepare the political environment for all the parties so that we have free and fair election. Any party that has been registered has the right and should be given rights to contest in elections. And if everyone works for free and fair elections, there will be a democracy. Let us not underlook other parties. Some will say I am from this big party, I am from a very strong political party. We have to put things, these things aside. South Sudan was expected to hold its first elections since independence next year. But parties to the 2018 revitalized peace agreement extended the transitional period by two years. Speaking to the media Tuesday, Governor Cleto said all parties to the revitalized peace agreement should respect dissenting voices. But respect all, uh, all the different... Respect all the other political parties, respect their views, give them space. For me in the state, every party has the political space that is encouraging democracy. There are different views and if there is no opposition, then the government cannot move well. Even those days when the party was still one, there was opposition. For us in the government... There are many opposition parties and people are working together along with other leaders. Our leader, Salfakir. Kleto is a member of the Sudan People's Liberation Movement in Opposition, or SPLM-IO, faction led by First Vice President Riek Machar. 
the party on several occasions has complained about what it says is a lack of political space and alleged some members have been harassed or arbitrarily arrested. Earlier this month, police in a wheel town of northern Varel Ghazali state detained the state's anti-corruption boss, Anay Rok Akwey, who is a member of SPLM-IO over unclear circumstances. Last month, military personnel in Upper Nile state reportedly arrested six people, including some officials following protests by young people in Malakal town. Pok Both Balwang, the information director for the SPLMIO, says freedom of expression and association are not only essential for elections, but are human rights under the South Sudan constitution. Political and civic space is not only for uh, the parties of government to have the right of assembly or uh, the right of uh, expression and so on and so forth, but also to grant the civil population those rights because they are according to the constitution they uh, must have all this right and uh, we have seen many examples that uh, the freedom of expression is not there uh, media uh, personnel has been targeted uh, opposition members have been also uh, targeted and uh, many uh, examples of uh, torture or killing and so on and so forth. Baluang says despite the challenges, the SPLM-IO will continue to advocate for the rights and freedoms granted by the constitution, saying such rights are critical in a free and democratic country. As a uh, reform, as uh, a reformative institution or party as an SPLMIO, we have been calling for this and we will uh, continue to call for all this, uh, for the rights uh, of the people of South Sudan to be granted, uh, as, as it is stated in the, uh, our constitution and also it is in the government. In, 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 uh, uh, to us, it is not only that should be linked to the, uh, to the elections, but there are rights granted to them by many uh, agreements uh, signed of the human rights, and also, it is basically important also for the elections because you cannot disseminate uh, your message as a party without uh, having uh, those uh, rights. The United States Embassy in Juba said in May that it is very concerned about press freedom and limited civic space in South Sudan. The embassy said South Sudan has a lot of work to do to establish and solidify the institutions that are critical to a well-functioning democratic state. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Juba. The Director General of South Sudan's National Communication Authority says the government should invest in cyber infrastructure and systems to protect the country's data. The National Communication Authority wrapped up a three-day town hall meeting in Juba focusing on innovation, media and telecommunications. Juliana Shiapai has more for VOA from Juba. Napoleon Adoggai is the Director General of the National Communication Authority. He says most South Sudanese government officials use free services such as Gmail and Yahoo, which are not safe for transmitting sensitive government documents. Guy says most government offices use unsecure emails and that just 15 of 17 government institutions are using the South Sudan or the SS domain. 
We have made an appeal yesterday to government officials to start using government email and get off Gmail and Yahoo for official matters. And we made the domain registration for them absolutely free. And we are going also to ask them to host their servers with us because we have a medium data center here. And that is a very important thing. It will have a price of having to sensitize them how to make use of government email. It will reduce on cybercrime. It will reduce on impersonation. It will reduce on a number of things. But of course, we need to up our cybersecurity. And with the data aggregated in one location, we will need to double our effort to protect that government issue. Guy says the few offices with the internet connectivity in South Sudan use insecure standalone Wi-Fi routers, which connect them to the internet via private service providers. He also said the government will work to expand access to educational content online for students. So normally they will host it at a neutral ground. And neutral neutrality, our role as government is to incubate the technology and make it available to our people in order to reduce the cost of internet. This is an answer. And we are hoping that in the first quarter of next year, we should see a significant change in the speed of Internet once the Internet service providers are on board with this thing. Speaking at the same event, Sapana Abui Abiye, the Director General of the South Sudan Media Authority, says government officials should not fear talking to the media. This is key. Media is the one that connects the government with the people and with the world. Without media... Nobody will know that there is government and what is government doing and what is happening in a country or in another country simply because media is on that connect. The town hall meeting of the National Communication Authority is a partnership with the South Sudan Media Authority to provide an update on the industry's performance and enhance public understanding of media laws online and offline. The three days meeting, which ends today, also hosted an expo to showcase young South Sudanese talent bridging the digital divide through innovation. For VOA News, I am Juliana Shiapai in Juba. Some Sudanese civil society activists have downplayed the decision by Sudan's military leader, General Abdul Fattah al-Burhan, to freeze the activities of trade unions and control their finances. Some activists say Al-Burhan's decision is controversial and he's looking for new political support. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. In his degree, General Abdul Fattah Al-Burhan suspended activities of all Sudanese trade unions and froze their assets both in and outside the country. The decree issued Monday calls for creation of a committee to revise the structure of unions and new steering committee for the unions until they hold general assemblies. Some Sudanese civil society activists and trade unionists rejected Al-Burhan's decision, describing it as illegal. Asadik Rizegi heads the Sudanese Journalist Union. He told South Sudan in focus that Al-Burhan's decision contradicts Sudan's law and violates the rights to establish professional unions in accordance with international treaties that the government has signed. We shall continue to reject this decision through a legal challenge in a court of law and we shall use all legal means to reclaim our rights. I expect other unions also to follow the same path so that we are able to put an end to such an illegal decision. 
In April 2019, Al-Burhan issued a similar order to suspend unions and freeze their assets. In 2020, a committee tasked with dismantling former President Omar al-Bashir's government reversed the decision and formed a committee to revise the union's work and activities. Sudanese rights activist Bashir RPG says Al-Burhan's decree shows that he is looking for a new political support to allow him to stay in power after failing to win the confidence of pro-democracy activists. RPG says the decision targets and weakens the voices of Sudanese pro-democracy activists who are calling on the military to step down. I don't think that Al-Burhan's decision will actually support revolutionary trade unions as many of us expected. For over three years now, we are used to controversial decisions by Al-Burhan. At first, people may think that it is a good decision, but at the end of the day, he directs the decision to get more support for himself to stay in power. Mashair Khidir, a member of Khartoum Resistance Committee, says... Al-Burhan's order will not serve the interests of the pro-democracy activist. Khidir says the military is trying to improve its image to stay in power, but says activists will not give up their demand for a democratic civilian government in Sudan. Any decision that is taken by the coup forces is on a cliff, and we cannot build our democratic civilian government on such decision. Our focus now is to ensure that the coup is removed from the power and a civilian government established after that. Former President Omar al-Bashir, who was ousted in 2019, suspended some vocal unions, including the Sudanese Journalist Union, for nearly 30 years. In August, Sudanese journalists held an election and formed their syndicate in a process many groups hailed. Sudanese lawyers have also been working in recent months to rebuild their unions. Some Sudanese analysts say Monday's decree seems to be an attempt to control the Islamist influence, making sure they do not attempt a return to power. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, the head of UNAIDS says inequalities is slowing progress in the fight against HIV and AIDS. Find out how after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... How do you break bad news? I break bad news looking at the person's mood as at that moment, whether to tell the person or not. And if you are telling the person, how would the person take it at that moment you are telling the person? I think when you need to talk about something difficult, you just need to come right out and do it. So if it's bad news, I think just go right ahead and let it be known and say what you have to say and just figure out how to get over it. Break bad news to people in a gradual process because most of the times bad news come as a form of a shock to people. So you break it in a form of a gradual process by saying it in parables or using illustrations. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. The executive director of the United Nations AIDS Agency says... 
gender and other inequalities are slowing progress towards ending the pandemic as a public health threat by 2030. Ahead of tomorrow's World AIDS Day, the agency released a report entitled Dangerous Inequalities, in which it called for global action to tackle these disparities. Executive Director Winnie Bianima tells VOA's James Batty the disparities impacts girls and women the most. In Africa, where I am right now, gender inequalities are putting girls and women at a higher risk of being infected with HIV. And this lies in the gender inequalities in society. The fact that girls in the age bracket of 15 to 24, we are seeing the highest number of infections in this region. Three out of four new infections are of girls, young women, between 15 and 24. And this is to do with inequalities, sexual violence in society that's driven by patriarchal attitudes, a justification of unwanted sex. This is it. It is because girls are not in school. I'm sitting in a country where 60% of children who should be in secondary school are not. And that means that girls are out there fetching firewood, fetching water, trading in the market, and are victims of abuse that is tolerated in society. So we need to close those inequalities for girls, get them in school, then when it comes to services, make services friendly and available to young people, particularly girls and young women. And this means handing them the ability to make services and design them to work for themselves. If we want to end pandemics, AIDS or any other, we must equalize in law and in enjoyment of rights. I wanted to ask uh, Winnie because I also read where your organization saying AIDS-related mortality has declined by 57% among women and girls and by 47% among men and boys since 2010. Um, what do you think account for this progress and how can it be maintained? It comes primarily from gender identity. You see, women and girls are generally better at health seeking, they will come forward and be tested much earlier. And if they find their HIV positive, will go on treatment and stay on treatment. On the other hand, we find that men have a notion of masculinity that tells them that they are invisible. They do not seek health easily. They tend to show up when they are in late stages and are dying. So we try to really work on their gender identity to understand that being a strong man doesn't mean not seeking health, not taking tests. The United States has had this uh, president's emergency plan for AIDS relief, PEFAR. Is that making any contribution? And what do you think the role of governments in terms of maintaining this progress you talk about? The United States government has the largest bilateral program for fighting HIV AIDS. The United States has been a global leader on HIV AIDS for the longest time, more than 20 years. And we have countries whose HIV response is funded largely by the United States government. 
before I let you go, Winnie, you, you mentioned dangerous inequalities. What message on this world is there do you want to leave about how to address these dangerous inequalities? Here's my message, that to end AIDS, indeed to beat any pandemic, you need global solidarity to challenge and close the inequalities that drive a pandemic such as AIDS. We need to close the gender inequalities that are putting girls and women in Africa at very high risk. We need to repeal those criminal laws that put gay men, sex workers, people who inject drugs for personal use, puts them at risk and away from services that they deserve as citizens. We need to fight stigma and discrimination that takes away the citizens' rights of people and forces them to go away from life-saving services. And we need to have equal access to the latest science. That's Winnie Danyima, the executive director of UNAIDS. She was speaking with my colleague James Batty. Kenya's cabinet members will forego their first salary payment since they took office as individuals and collective contributions towards the government's relief for Kenyans affected by drought. The cabinet secretaries made the decision on Tuesday during a meeting chaired by President William Ruto at State House in Nairobi. At the same time, the Kenya Defense Forces has also contributed a percentage of their salaries to mitigate hunger. Moreno Jambo reports. As part of long-term measures to address the recurrent drought and the cost of living, the country is introducing measures to help more than 4 million Kenyans affected by climate emergency. With the country struggling to raise funds to help the affected regions, the government has come up with a mobile money transaction fund that will see Kenyans voluntarily contributing towards helping millions of people suffering from hunger. As part of the effort, 22 cabinet secretaries will contribute at least 200,000 U.S. dollars to the effort. Kenya's Cabinet Secretary for Youth Affairs, Sports and Arts, Ababu Namwamba, told Citizen TV that contributions are voluntary. And um, we wanted to show in a modest way our solidarity with uh, the rest of Kenyans who are facing such a terrible time with the drought. And, and we know that so many Kenyans are, are making, are supporting the cause. So in our small way, we, we resolved unanimously to forfeit a month's, uh, a month's pay uh, as a contribution to the kitty. Actually, it is our first ever salary, our November salary. So I will not be earning a penny of it. it it's not something that I, there was no compulsion. We, we, we did it uh, on our own volition. The meeting also noted that the cost of the nation's type of food maize remains unacceptably high, currently retailing between 1.8 to 2.1 US dollars for a 2 kg packet of flour. Kenya's Deputy President Rigadi Gashagwa, who is heading the steering committee that has been mandated to mitigate the ongoing drought, he has asked salaried Kenyans to willingly set aside a percentage of their income and contribute towards the program. He says the Defense Forces and the National Youth Service employees have agreed to cooperate. We to Kenyans of goodwill to contribute a percentage of their salaries to pay to a payable number. Already, our men and women in the Kenya Defense Forces have offered to forego one day's salary to contribute to the response kit. The National Youth Service has followed suit. 
We appeal to Kenyans in food surplus counties to make their contributions through the offices of governors and respective county commissioners. The governors and county commissioners will work with the task force and will coordinate the transfer of food to Kenyans suffering in deficit areas. Rigadi says relief requires enhanced budgetary support from both levels of government and development partners to unlock the full potential of arid and semi-arid land counties. In addition, we send out a request to the media to make a financial or in-kite contribution in terms of airtime newspaper space to popularize this appeal. The long-term plan by President Ruto's administration to address the drought includes providing farmers with fertilizer at a subsidized cost. It's a move that will boost food production and help bring down the overall cost of production as well as the rising cost of living. At the same time, the International Fund for Agriculture and Development says the high cost of food and energy continue to hit East and Southern Africa. It says this is as a result of the devastating impact of climate change that is impacting the productive capacity of small-scale farmers. Reporting for viewers, I am Moreno Jimbo in Sacramento. California. At the Qatar World Cup, Tunisia will play today with world champions France. Yesterday, Senegal qualified for the first knockout stage of the tournament. The Lions of Terenga, who are the current champions of Africa, beat Ecuador 2-1 on Tuesday. Ibrahim Dier is a senior editor at La Soleil, Senegal's daily newspaper. He tells VOA's James Batty there was celebration throughout the country. Congratulations to you too, to all the diaspora. I think that people is very happy and you can see and hear people celebrating. They were very happy and you see some people on the main road. Even we have people who went to the presidency because usually when Senegal win, they used to go there as last year when they win the African Cup of Nations. So everyone is very happy and we hope that it will be better for the 16. And also the winning of Senegal will help the other African teams to do better for their last game. This win makes it the third time that Senegal is going to the knockout stage of the World Cup. How about that? Yeah, it will be the third time. The first time was 20 years ago, in 2002. It was very, 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 very popular, and it was very, very incredible. But now people know that things can change very quickly in football, and they have to pay attention. And we hope that, like the last African Cup of Nations, that better to go step by step and try to win our matches and go the far possible in this competition. Now, Ibrahim, Senegal did this without their star player, Sadio Mane. What is the status on him? Do you think uh, he might play during the knockout stage? So, after the game today, the trainee congratulates Sadio Mane and it is for him. This victory it is for him. And if you remember, two years ago, one of our players, who was the first Senegalese who scored during the World Cup, who is called Pabuba Job, he two, two years ago on 29, like today, the two years of his death. Yesterday, people, and even today, called the players to give their best to honor his memory. But the trainer today, after the victory, he says that it is for Sadio Mane. 
So Sergio Mane was not here, and we think that even if he's not here, we have other players who can try to do their best. Well, Ibrahim, let me say congratulations again to you, to Africa, to the people of Senegal, and let's pray maybe today, Wednesday, that... Uh, Tunisia is going to beat France and that uh, coming up on Thursday, that Morocco is going to beat Canada. Yeah, okay, thank you. Let's pray all and congratulations to you too. That's Ibrahim Nia, senior editor at La Soleil, Senegal's daily newspaper. He was speaking with my colleague James Batty. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you missed this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Labia Maru by Mede Muzika. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.